Hey everyone and welcome to episode 58 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast, the show where we pull back that what's seen as often glamorous curtain on entrepreneurship and dive deep into people's journeys of business and the world of being an entrepreneur. My first guest today, Dr. Victoria Boyd, president and founder of the Philanthropreneur Foundation. Got it. Went from teacher and entrepreneur to author, founder, and nonprofit organization. Dr. Victoria says the most important criteria is to know your passion and have it as your compass. I have been reading up on your biography, Dr. Victoria, and really enjoying it. 28 years as a dance teacher, and then you moved into a consultant and was in charge of many different districts along many different states. Now you, you've written several books, you're a trainer, you're a mentor, someone who really just aligns with the title of this podcast, The Hunger for the Hustle. I can't wait to get into it with you today. Uh, and how are you in the afternoon there? In, in, uh, are you in Vegas now? We're in Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, and we're all um, locked down. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not much entertainment going on at the moment, but I know we were just speaking off camera that you've really capitalized and doubled down on this time and used it to not churn out one, but two or three books. Is that right? That's right. I helped. Uh, I was the ghostwriter on one and then I helped copyright another one. I put another one out of my own called Webinar Secrets. Um, and it was because everybody was online. I had a, an original book that came out in 2016 called Wowem Webinar Secrets from the Wealthy Teacher. And wow. Times have changed. Technology has changed. So I felt it was time to do an updated edition of it. And so that's how Webinar Secrets came, because as an educator, I was looking at a lot of webinars or just things online, and I kept seeing the exact same issues. I won't call them problems. I, I think people just weren't aware of how this little box you still have to do certain things to come across as a professional. And so that's really what the uh, book digs deep into. Uh, it adds a lot of the e-learning, adult learning, and multiple intelligences um, concepts in there. So people, when they present webinars or educational formatted presentations, they have added all of the tools that will make it valuable. Yeah, right. And it's interesting that you wrote the book back in 2016 and then you wrote a book now four years later and, and how, you know, webinar, webinars, online teaching, you know, Zoom calls, things like we're using today, StreamYard and, and lives have just advanced so rapidly in that time. You know, yeah. webinars have been in the forum for, for, for quite a long time, but it's always usually in the format of record now, watch later or, or record yep. now, learn later. And now everything is more or less live and is that kind of what you were readdressing in this in this later book, well, in later I, book? yes and no um i i look at both areas of it because the educational platforms are very valuable if they are recorded and in that evergreen format um i believe that people need to go back you're not going to learn everything the first time you hear it it generally mm -hmm. takes three to five times before you actually grasp all of the concepts that might be presented. So having the ability to go back and look at it, and that's the format that I use for what we'll be talking about soon, uh, System Summit. Um, but the live format still, there's still some certain criteria, if you want it to be value-driven and educational, that you need to address in those live presentations. So I dig pretty deep in uh, that book, but also I have a couple other uh, presentations, you know, virtually, and I've written a couple e-guides that uh, I offer to our speakers to help them on that journey. Hmm. And, and, you know, we were talking, you were a dance teacher for 28 years, which, and, and I see you, you took students all over the world, you know, all, all throughout America, throughout Europe, um, to Scotland, which uh, aligned with me, I'm actually half Scottish myself, and funnily enough, my, my partner Emily is a dance teacher as well in the space of uh, she's a dance therapist. And okay. What What do you think about you know how obviously dancer? I, I know my partner's had to pivot her classes from being in the physical to being online, and and has done that very well. And uh, do you see what do you see? You think there's really great value in in the you know teaching dance lessons online, and 
and how that kind of compares to to obviously doing them in the physical it's I know it's a bit well, hard there's, yeah there's things that you can't do uh, as a dance teacher I know I was very hands-on um, I had six classes per day because that was my full-time profession and so I wow. had a full schedule all day I was in a performing arts high school so I had a each semester about 175 students that would come to me. And when you're teaching dance, many times uh, by just the word of mouth, they don't understand the concept. So you really need to go and touch them and, and talk about, okay, I'm talking about your spine right here, your hips, you know. Um, so conveying those messages via a video would be a little bit more difficult. But if you're able to I break it down, really go, you know, dance 101 uh, and and have them conceptualize what they're doing with their body. They, they almost have to give them uh, triggers of how to feel what their muscle structure should feel like, how it should be positioned. So it's it's difficult, not impossible. I wouldn't want to have to do that. But uh uh, I'm yeah. sure, you know, if, if the instructor really knows how to convey that message of understanding and feeling what you're doing, then it can work. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's, I mean, I've seen a partner play it out and, and run some fantastic classes with some really happy people. It's, I think it's how you transfer that energy, of course, yep. and education. And, and, and I think the more people are doing it and getting you. On calls like this and interacting like this, it's becoming more reality. And people, yep. um, it's only going to get better and better. And, and as the technology gets better, I mean, if you just look at the book you wrote in 2016, you know, the the the, the internet really it was there. And yes, it was, it was starting to mature. I think it's really matured a lot more now to the yes. point that people, people can do calls like this with just their their device in their hand. And, yeah. and the speed of the internet is, is really good. The bandwidth's good, which has to be to be able to do things like this. Now, now let's talk about your foundation, the Philanthropreneur Foundation, and, and how that came to be. Absolutely. Well, I moved to Las Vegas after I, well, I'll say semi-retired. I was, uh, as I said, a consultant for the state of Michigan. I was the arts consultant and worked all over the state. And back then they uh, had a budget cut and the first thing to go is the arts. And so wow. even though I had been in my career for 32 years, I, you know, it was sort of winding down. They gave me the option of either retiring or being laid off, but they offered me a dynamic package. <laughs> and so <laughs> I took the retirement with that dynamic package and uh, my brother already lived in Las Vegas, and I just said, you know, let's go for it. Uh, there's nothing here for me right now. You know, they sort of have shut down my area. So I moved to Las Vegas. I really wasn't ready to retire or anything. I came to Las Vegas. Um, initially, you know, when you move to a new town, you spend, I'll say, several years trying to find yourself. Um, and I worked for the school district here. I worked for the uh, arts Council, the State Arts Council. I was director of outreach uh, and education for Nevada Ballet Theater. And then I was at the Springs Preserve, which is a historical um, site that has a foundation. And I was their development officer. Concurrent to that, I was teaching nonprofit management at UNLV, Uni uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, because of all of the work I had done back in Michigan, even though I was an educator, concurrent to that, I had been president, interim president, I had formed, closed, merged nonprofits and had worked in it extensively because of being in the arts. And so I had a lot of background in leadership management and things like that in nonprofits. And then I got my doctorate in organizational management and really focused on the arts and, and nonprofits and things because that's where my interests lie. So coming here, I worked through all those different jobs. And finally, I said, you know what? I really don't want to work for anybody. <laughs> I, I, it's not really fitting my personality or where I was in my life. I wanted the freedom to mm -hmm. explore some of my passions. And, and you mentioned earlier, you have to find 
what your passion is in order to even be able to find the path that you need to go. And that was the catalyst for my first book, which was called The Wealthy Teacher, Answering the Question, What's Next? And it was really a, um, I won't call it a memoir, but it was my journey in refinding myself. What's next for me? And I had to go back and the three pillars I say, you have to find your value, your worth and your passion. And so I almost immediately realized that training and educating and helping others reach their full potential was my passion. And so I started down that path. I loved teaching at UNLV, but then I saw because it was a university setting, there were many other courses that were missing. And so I started an external series of courses in the nonprofit uh, arena called Nuts and Bolts Training for Nonprofits. And I did that around all over the city, wherever I could find space or they would give me space to do it and, and did that for several years. And what evolved, I kept hearing myself say, even though you're a nonprofit organization, which is really a for purpose business, you have to be an, in the philanthropy sector, but you have to think like an entrepreneur because you need revenue. You need all of these business systems and processes in order to be successful. And literally, and this is how I did choreography too. I, it really aligns because I would be working on a piece and the music might have me stumped while I was you know, at my job. And then in the middle of the night, I called them night voices. The answer would come to me. <laughs> and just like that, uh, the term philanthropeneur popped in my head one night and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm trying to develop is uh, being a philanthropeneur. And from that point on, I launched the Philanthropeneur Show uh, on Blog Talk Radio. I created the Philanthropeneur Journal, and all of it is tips and strategies and resources to take nonprofits to the le next level. I interview people from around the world who had used their business model to infuse community engagement and things like that. So the term philanthropeneur evolved about 2012. And I was on a great roll. I had the websites, the, the radio show. And out of the blue, a internet marketer, he had been looking at the term. He just picked up the phone. He said, you know, I'm just going to call and find out what is this all about, this philanthropeneur stuff. I just happened to be available. I picked up the phone. And we ended up having an hour and 15-minute conversation about that whole sector. He was a former teacher. We had a lot in common. But one of his remarks was, do you know that there's a German company that's trying to trademark your name? And I know that they're after you because they have filed paperwork in Nevada. And I was like, well, I went into panic mode. <laughs> yeah, as you would, as you would. Yeah, so um, finished that conversation and immediately started looking for a trademark lawyer and, and seeing what I could do because, like I said, I had the website. I mean, I had domains and, you know, things had been going for a couple of years. Fortunately, I found a lawyer right away. And in my initial conversation, he said, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I said, oh, boy. I said, well, give me the bad news first because I can always close with good news. He said, well, yes, there is this company from Germany that has filed in Nevada and they have filed for the trademark. He said, but the good news is their paperwork, they did it wrong and you have about 72 hours to get yours in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, at that time, my company was called the Galaxy Group. Um, I was just using the Flanchpreneur as a model of, of how to run a business. And so he recommended that I actually form a corporation with the uh, by in the name of the Flanchpreneur. So I was already going down that uh, nonprofit path. And so I created because I also help people create their foundations or their nonprofit. So I knew how to do it really fast. And so I at that point, it was 2014. I formed the Philanthropeneur Foundation, filed the paperwork under that umbrella. And eight months later, I got the trademark. So <laughs> victory. <laughs> right. You know, something. Um, 
you've got to make sure you've got you know if, if you guys are watching this and you've come up with a unique brand a unique name and you idea or invention you've got to get that ip protection in place especially in in somewhere like america where hey look i'm i'm going to be frank about this people sue every, everyone everyone's suing everyone at the right and not you know it's it's, it's it just happens a lot there i'm glad you brought that up because uh, about three months after my paperwork was uh, that i got the approval or that i was in or in the U.S., you get the trademark approval, and then you ha there's uh, this waiting period where others have the ability to cross claim. Um, yeah. The have you heard of Entrepreneur.com? I haven't. Okay, it's it's a website. It, they do a lot of. Uh, it's an online magazine. Um, sort of magazine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so anyway, they sent me cease and desist papers. Even though the term entrepreneur is not in my name, it's it, 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 it's it's broken down. They said that I was infringing on their trademark and their intellectual property. And my lawyer was like, I am totally confused because your name has nothing. To, you know, it's the, the term entrepreneur. I didn't even think entrepreneur was trademarked. But apparently they've had that trademark for almost 30 years. And I was like, wow, you learned something. But anyway, after all of those, I'll say hustle. Um, <laughs> it, it turned out in my favor because uh, the lawyer was he was. He got sort of mad, actually, because this big organization would come after me, a little small nonprofit. And he filed all of the paperwork saying that I'm dealing in the nonprofit sector. The term is not in my name. And it, it was anyway, we came to an agreement of, you know, I can continue to do I can maintain my domains. Uh, I just can't use the word entrepreneur as a branding. I was like, I don't use it anyway <laughs> so mm -hmm. but that but that's when you mention that people will sue you it was you yeah. know it was sort of weird why they even came after me for that little thing yeah i think a lot of these companies just have teams of people that are just they're tasked to look out for that and they probably don't have too many oppositions come up so when they do they're like oh we've got something to do let's jump on it <laughs> <laughs> we can build them <laughs> yeah yeah we can build them exactly right but i think it's, it's very important you know that um if you've got a great idea, a great, a great, you know, invention and, and it's unique or just a brand name that, you know, you should quite rightly own that and own it wholly and be able to do what you want with it. And and to do that, you've just got to have that intellectual property in place. And it's it, it's a little bit of a, a cost at the start, but it ensures you maintaining the integrity of the brand throughout. Yeah. And it's really not that expensive. I mean, <laughs> it's not. It's not. And look, you can find the services online with stuff like Upwork now, where you can find lawyers on there from around the world who, who can do it at a very, very cost effective price. You know, yeah. you don't have to go and find your local lawyer in your local town and pay yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars for it. Hmm. So, Victoria, let's wind back for a second because you, you said to me there, I moved to Nevada and I was kind of going to semi-retire. Well, it, sounds, it seems like you did quite the opposite, actually. You know, many people think, oh, well, you did this full career. And, and what are you, you know, what are you going to do in retirement? I'm like, I'm actually going to build and do things I love to do. And so even though I'm, I'm working a lot, I don't feel like it's work because it's my passion. And um, as long as you're doing what you love, you will spend hours and hours doing something. That's like I can write for hours. I I know where on some days I've written for 18 hours straight and then all of a sudden looked up and realized, oh, my God, where'd the day go? Um, <laughs> but I was writing something that was what I felt was important and needed to be out there. And, you know, most of the books that I put together, I get done within 30 days. And, and I'm not recommending that to anyone because I get obsessed. <laughs> but if you have the topic that you want to talk about, for me, the content just flows. So, you know, um, I might, you know, get all of the details in there. Yeah. But then you have to go and, and do the, you know, the copy uh, proofreading and all of that stuff, which takes, you know, some more time. But if you truly have the content, um, it will flow for you. And many times authors have come to me and, you know, well, I don't know what to say. I was like, then it's not there yet. 
you, you, it's, it's, you're not ready to write it because when you're ready, you will know what needs to be written. So yeah, I, I just enjoy writing and they just seem to flow out of me. <laughs> yeah, everyone has their own way of working, right? But like, one thing I've definitely aligned with there is um, I get obsessed about things too. Once you know, yep. I'm into something new, I'm like, I want to know everything about it, spend probably too much time. Well, not too much time on it, but a lot of time on it. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's the, the way for me is just absorb myself in it and learn along mm -hmm. the way. You know, I'm not someone who, um, who reads a lot of, um, you know, reads a lot, does a lot of research into it. I'm, I learn by doing, you know, as a background mm -hmm. in construction and, and, and being an apprentice at a young age, it was, you know, you can tell me 10 times, but actually if you show me once, I'll probably be yep. alright. <laughs> okay. You're a kinesthetic and visual learner. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the correct term yes we've had we've had a question on the side here i'll get it up on the screen for you from from a person watching us they haven't left their name unfortunately but um from the sounds of things victoria seems to have and never lost her passion and i applaud that how does victoria recommend people maintain their passion for helping others when so many people are looking to profit off ignorance well you, you have to stay true to who you are um, I can't say that I've never been burned because I come with so much passion and it can be a downfall at times and, and a challenge for me. I actually had to go in and look at myself and say, look, you have a valuable asset and you need to charge for that. And even my husband got after me because I was working with a, a dance company and I realized I was giving away way too much and and it became problematic because they had actually hired me to be executive director but then all of a sudden they weren't paying <laughs> and i just kept working because it was the area i loved and so you have to know when to set boundaries you have to know your value and your worth and, and i'm going to come back to that word compass your passion is your compass and it has to be what all things evolve from. And as long as that passion remains your compass, you're always going to be happy. You're always going to be satisfied with what you're doing. It's too many people that do look for the profit side of it and they lose sight of what the real goal is, what their true core value is. And so it's important to stay focused on who are you as a person? What are your goals and values? And don't let anyone compromise that. And so that's pretty much how I've have really evolved as an educator. You know, you, you stand in your classroom and your clients come to you. You don't know marketing. You don't know any of that stuff. And you do it because people don't go into education for the money. Hmm. They go in it because it's a passion to help others and find your passion and stick with it. Make it true. Hmm. Thanks for that question. I really appreciate that. Um, the person wants to remain anonymous, which is absolutely fine. No problem at all. And, uh, I think I think that um, yeah, once you once you found your passion, and it can take some time to find it. I mean, I mean, let's wind back a little bit there. You know, you, you're a dance teacher for so long. Were you were you in dance before that? Did you used to do dance when you were younger? Yeah, I, I yeah. did. I started dancing when I was five. My right. parents. Yeah, they took me to the community center, to, you know, how parents do, just go in and do it, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I evolved through different, you know, stages of hating it, loving it. In high school, that's when I really uh, was immersed in it because I had an excellent dance teacher that really had a passion for her students. And I that's when I came to really love it. Um, was a, a even in high school for myself, I was able to perform all over the city and, and do different things that went at first when I started college, I was actually in pre-med. Um, OK, <laughs> I had the big vision, but the more I started taking the courses and getting more involved, I saw, you know, I'm really not happy here. You know, uh, I, I can do the work, but I'm just not happy. And I went and went to the university's dance department, took a couple classes and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm back in my space and ended up becoming a part of their workshop or, you know, their performing group. And eventually just got my degree 
back then they didn't have full dance degrees. My first degree is in health and physical education with a minor in dance, a minor in speech, and a minor in science. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that got me into the space of being able to teach. Then my master's is in dance history and production. And uh, that carried me most of the way through my career. But then I went back to school because I started working more with organizations. But yeah, you have to really know who you are and that that will carry you so far, just so far. Yeah, and I think it's important that, you know, when you talk about finding your passion, it can sometimes take a lot of time to find it and you can get um, unwavering on the way when you're doing stuff and you're like, no, I just don't really, don't really enjoy this. But I think particularly when you're young, you know, when you're coming out of school and definitely into your 20s, even your early 30s, you know, it's, that's the time to just keep trying new different yep. things at scale. Something doesn't work. Try something else. You know, that's that time. We got, you've got, yeah, we got so much in the mode of trying to please other people, our parents, mm -hmm. you know, and I know they can be heavy influences. On, well, you know, you need to get a job that, you know, is secure and, you know, all of these bullet points that they put in front of you. Um, but also you still have to think about who are you as a person? There are many occupations out there that can tap into who you are and you don't have to decide right away. And, and even when you're young, you know, explore things. Yes. There's the pressure of, well, I have to support myself. You know, that's always one of the challenges that mm -hmm. I've got to pay my bills. And so, you know, that income becomes primary but don't let it lead your life. Even if you're working a job, find other ways to have external experiences, volunteer for a nonprofit, you know, go out and do whatever it is that passion is. Try to add it to the mix of your life. Find that life balance so that you're still having those moments where you go, yes, that works for me. And you never know with, well, as entrepreneurs, we always see a way, we, you know, we'll take the risk, you know, we, <laughs> just, you, know show, you know, hustle, you know, we will take that extra mile. In fact, that you know, entrepreneur is described as people who take risk. OK, um, we don't see it as risk. We see it as an opportunity. Mm. Or fun. So. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's exploring who you want to be and why you want to do it. Um, I guess I found it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it can come to you naturally. Definitely. Now, talking about challenges, I always like to to go into the challenges here and, and in perhaps some failures along the way, because entrepreneurship really is a roller coaster journey full of ups and downs. And it's in yeah. those down moments where you, you fortify your strength and you actually learn a lot, I would say sometimes more than the up moments because when everything's just coasting along, everything, the bills are, bills are getting paid, it's fantastic. But uh, I find there's more value in, in the down points. So I know you said obviously a challenge there with, with the trademark with Philanthropreneur and I keep stumbling on that one, but I'm getting there. I'm not going to quit, that's for sure. Um, so... Yeah, maybe she has some more challenge with challenges with us on your journey of, of entrepreneurship. Well, you know, one of the big challenges was moving from the city that I grew up and knew and moving into a whole new culture. And Las Vegas is a different culture from where I came mm. from. Um, I was an educator in an area that was that valued education, you know. And I'm not saying Las Vegas doesn't value it, but they have different benchmarks. Um, mm. Here, many people can make great money. I mean, good money being a valet. So you don't need formal education. They can make great money being a bartender or, you know, in the service industry. Mm -hmm. And so the value or even parents communicating, you got to have that education was a different mindset here. And I totally come from valuing education. Education, you know, is the core of who I am. And so I had to sort of uh, either accept it or fight it. I decided to fight it. And I started putting 
acknowledges power everywhere and, and you know, ignites your passion. I started using all these taglines of, of how and where I was coming from, that education was the forefront of what I do. And even working with um, nonprofits, you know, I was saying you have to con constantly be on this learning mode, you, continuous improvement. And you mentioned, you know, entrepreneurs, when they're making money, they tend to, you know, tend to, well, not, I won't say all of them, but they get comfortable. But I still feel that if you are running your business correctly, you're always going to be in what is called innovative mode. There's strategic planning, but what comes before that is strategic innovation. How are you going to develop your business? Um, what new products are you going to add? How can you enhance what you have? So it and it's not I'm not necessarily talking about business growth. I'm talking about scaling and, and making your company better so that you can really bring value to whatever industry you're in. And so there should be a constant flow of learning, exploring and innovation so that you never get stagnant as an entrepreneur. Um, we get burnt out. And, and, you know, there's strategies not to do that because, I mean, we will hustle for, you know, 18, 20 hours, you know, with that, that mindset, you know, if I work a whole lot right now, I can just sit back and relax, you know, later on, I can retire. Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. don't retire. They just wow. go to the next project. You know, <laughs> it's, it's. Isn't that the truth? That really is the truth. Yeah. And I think, I think the same can go can be said for people of service as well you know if you, if you like work, working and helping to serve others and mm -hmm. i think you really retire as well particularly in the space of speaking you know particularly in the space of um non-for-profits as well i mean just look at yourself there you, you were thinking of you know it was kind of on the cars maybe semi-retirement but actually it, it expanded to to quite quite the opposite really and um, yeah and and control of my time you know that that's what i really love about it you know before yes i had to be there at seven in the morning and don't leave until three, you know all of these parameters that we had to meet working a job hmm. i am working my passion if i want to take off and not work one day i have that ability because i'm the boss um, and it's not necessarily that I wanted the title of the boss. It's mm -hmm. I wanted the freedom to do freedom. what I yeah. wanted to do when I, I can plan a trip and be gone for 15, 17 days, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm controlling my calendar. And, and that draws a lot of people to that. But you also have to know how to control your calendar, you know. Um, yeah. But it, it, it is a freedom that entrepreneurship brings to individuals. And um, it's something I'm really enjoying, especially in this stage of my career. And I just call this, you know, my next career, you know, of what I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, you have to earn that. You, you, can't, you can't go into your own business entrepreneurship and think within six months, I'll be able to holiday whenever I like. Right? You know, <laughs> no, it takes a, uh, a lot of grit to, uh, to get to that. To get to that now, I, the Philanthropy Foundation was formed in 2014. So, I mean, it's it's not like we just, you know, all of a sudden we, we've been plugging along and, and doing things. Uh, two years ago, we were able to open up a, a actual brick and mortar training center here in Las Vegas. And then yeah. a year ago, we had to close the doors, you know, because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we still have the space, you know, all of the stuff is there. But we we're not utilizing it the way we have. But that's where we had to be innovative and and decide. Okay, so what is our new normal going to be, and what is the pivot that we're going to make? And that's where our new program system summits evolved into still being able to serve. But now we're serving a global audience, which is so exciting. I probably never would have met you if I hadn't been looking at the global audience that. Um, mm -hmm might be interested in what we're doing so it, yeah. it it opened a new door we're still doing what we do our mission is to build capacity through education awareness and resources we're still doing that just in a different uh platform yeah and let's speak about system summit 
you know, how, how did that come about? I know there's one coming up on 27th to the 28th i see i get excited when we start talking <laughs> i'm sure you could you know? a great way to start the year you know you'll be less than a month in uh, and uh, and well that will be the inaugural summit or is that has, has no been we actually launched in october um yeah. uh, that was our first one i had been thinking about doing a virtual conference for over for almost two years uh we have been doing live conferences here in um uh, nevada I already had virtual training online. My One of my books called Boardbound Leadership. It's a training for board members. It, it's online in an eight course module, blah, 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 you know. Um, so I was familiar with the educational virtual platform. I had been using it for years. Um, when you talked about webinars and the evergreens and all that, I have, you know, all of those tools and uh, those things in place. But now we had to really look seriously of how can we put together uh, something that's of value that I could put together? And the virtual format was a no-brainer for me. Uh, other people were like, oh, how are you going to do that? Because a year ago, I had actually approached several companies to and talking about a virtual conference, and they were like, oh, no, no, we're face-to-face. -face. We have to meet our people, right? You know, we have to, you know, we're that's just not our format. We can't do business like that. Ha, guess what? Now they're coming to me and saying- <laughs> Just about to say, they're calling your phone right now. <laughs> yes, can, yeah, can, can, can we speak, you know, can we, you know? So um, there was a grand awakening which actually worked in our favor because now we, uh, I don't have to go into so much detail why it's valuable. They understand it now. I even last year wrote a white paper on the value of virtual uh, platforms and, and presence and all of that. So they get it now. So we launched in October, we had 17 speakers, three keynotes. We did a networking lounge. We had a live portal the entire day. And what people do, all of the presenters, their presentations are recorded. And, and you know, I got some pushback on that. I said, no, we. I want your presentation to be valuable. And if you can record the content and then let that be, and then focus on the attendees while they're watching that, you don't have to worry about delivering. You can focus on serving your attendees. After several of them did the conference, they came back even with testimonials like, you know, I thought it wasn't going to work, but oh, my God, this is the way to go. And uh, and it might have been just because of um, I'll say the negative reputation that some webinars had gained because men were using it strictly for a speak to sell type platform. Yeah. You know, I, I earned this, I did this, you know, now buy my product where they never got into actually providing value driven content, educating yeah. them on certain aspects, a simple solution. And so October one, I felt went great. I tested, I did something back in the summer um, called Zoomathon. I did a, a, Zoom, a Zoomathon where I just invited any speaker that wanted to present because I was sort of testing to see where they were in their skill level at delivering presentations. It was eye opening. <laughs> um, some came prepared and others were like totally out in left field and, and really didn't know. So that was another catalyst for me to write a virtual presentation e-guide and keynote in this virtual space. I wrote all of these different documents and did a couple videos on how to transition into the virtual space. Our next summit, well, we have a summit every quarter. That's how we have planned it out. It is now a part of our regular programming. So January, April, July, and October, we will present System Summit. It focuses on five key core business uh, systems, project management, human resources, marketing and sales, accounting and finances, and business development. So those five core elements will always be within uh, the presentations and, and value that we're providing. Then we pick a theme. In October, the theme was time because many people, I hear it all the time, oh, I just don't have time to have too much on my plate. It's about mindset. 
everybody has the same 24 hours a day. It's how you use it. And so our opening keynote just talked about time, how you approach it, how, you know, stuff like that. Uh, our theme for January is passion, purpose, and profits. Ah, I'm back into my Ballywick now. <laughs> Um, and so I'll be talking about cause marketing, uh, just, you know, how passion will impact your business, um, whether it's external credibility, branding and all of those things. But still we'll have the core values of I mean, the core elements and project, uh, processes represented. So I just see that it's really jam packed with value. Golden nuggets were dropped all day long back in October. So um, that's why I'm sort of excited. Even this time, our speaking, because we do a call for speakers, I've, I have so many people that have applied to be on the summit that I'm actually going to have to say, well, could you do the April one? Because we are <laughs> now sort of reaching our capacity. But what's so great about that, I can really pick and choose and plan programs and create streams of, of, of and threads of content. And it's it's I think at each summit it's just going to get better and better. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you and think so. And as as more people become comfortable with, and and also whilst becoming comfortable, realize and accept that this is part of the future. You know, whether or not we we get back to uh, pre pre Corona normal. This in, platform is here to stay. Sorry, this platform is here to stay. That's it. That's it. It's That's here right. to stay because it has proven itself to be viable and valuable. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. even if we get back to face-to-face, -face, mm. whatever, this is still going to be a key component of any business's strategies to reach their audience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And just, just the, the way that you can do it so easily and quickly with anyone in the world, you know, time zones have become not, not an issue at all, um, no need to travel. And, of course, what you said about recording it, I think that's great because, of course, you know, face to face, you can record that, but you can you can record this a lot quicker. It's then available a lot quicker. It doesn't need mass editing. And then, of course, people can repurpose that content yep. And yep. For, for their audiences or to promote your your event later down the line. You know, yeah. you, you can take uh, maybe a, a 30 minute, 40 minute keynote and repurpose that into quite easily 15, 20, 30 pieces of content across yep. four or five platforms. Uh, well, it was a selfish reason why I wanted everything recorded, because in doing the Zoomathon, a couple of the speakers, their sound went out, and, and there were some te technical issues that I was like, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. I, mm. Give me the pre-recorded, and then I went in and edited some of them, you know, to make them to where I wanted them to be. I also add our intro, you know, I brand it for what we're doing, but it, it sort of gave me peace of mind that the presentation was ready to go. Um, we did yeah. do the keynotes live, but I asked them to submit a pre-recorded one just in case. Yeah, <laughs> um, good idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to stick with that for, I, I think I want all everything to be pre-recorded at this point and just mm -hmm. leave it so that the speaker can, uh, we're calling them office hours, that they'll be there and will answer any questions during these specific office hours so oh, wow. the attendees can really communicate and ask what I call quality questions. That's a really smart way of doing it, actually, yeah, because you can then still get the value from, from the speech, but you can also ask questions in real time. It's a, yep. it's a really smart, smart angle to come at it from. Yep. Now let's talk about the word hustle. It, it's clear to me, Victoria, that you have uh, just in uh, unsurmountable um, <laughs> volume of it. And, and you know, I'd love to know how you define the word hustle and, and what drives your clear and evident hunger for the hustle. Well, to me, hustle means going above and beyond for, for me. Um, it, it, and an example is... Um, Originally, when I was putting together System Summit, I asked several different people, you know, would they want to come on the team? And I, you know, I explained to them, I said, you know, right now we we have no money to pay you, you know, but there's ways to benefit from it. You know, bullet point here and there. Some, you know, really came on and, and, and 
did a deep dive into, okay, so what do you want me to do? How do you want me to help you? You know, um, what, you know, how can I be a part of this? And others started giving excuses. Well, I have to do this, or I have to go here, or I don't have time to do that until, and, and to me, that is prioritizing what you have to do. That's, that's a part of the hustle. What are your priorities? Do you, if this hustle, and there's different types of hustle, because, you you know, you have to be um, uh, focused on what that hustle is, because, yeah, I'm sure we all are, you're working really busy, but you're not accomplishing anything that, you know, that means you have, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you really haven't planned it out, but I think I was a born hustler. <laughs> um, I, would, I would have to say, I would have to say so, yeah. <laughs> be, yeah. Yeah, it just, I guess it's just an innate characteristic of my personality that I'm always looking for the, the a bigger, better way to do something. Even when I was teaching in the high school, I didn't have to take my students to the uh, London to the Globe Theatre or to, to the Friends Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland, or to Aurillac, France, to perform in, in a street festival. Um, and in order to do that, we had to hustle. You know, We had to raise money. But we set a goal, and that becomes the motivation behind your hustle. You, you, and sometimes you put those goals too far out. And I go back once again to being an educator, You create units and curriculum, but you have benchmarks. So you have these small steps that you celebrate and they become um, the steps that you're taking, but you're hustling throughout that whole process. You're putting together whatever it is you need within your uh, business, your organization. And many people look at hustle as a negative, but hustle can be very positive if it's implemented correctly and you know how to celebrate your small achievements and don't always look at, oh, I didn't get to that. Okay, do it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, hustle on it tomorrow. But hustle has to be a part of your game plan. I'll call it that. Um because it's that hustle that gives you the energy. Just think of the word hustle. You know, just it it it, it emanates drive. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those words that has meaning, and people internalize and visualize what that means to them. Mm. Yeah. Now, I like the way that you said. You know, your goal is behind it, and then you hustle. You know, you magnify that with the hustle, and then you're you're driving towards it. I think it's a good way to to kind of um, connect the dots there and, and create a system that makes sure that you, you get things done. Have you been on my website? I, I on the, it's, it's this whole big thing of dots in it, and we say connecting the dots. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. That's what it is, you know. That's a large part of what business is, you know, connecting the dots and yep. actually figuring out what the dots are first and then figuring out how <laughs> and then actually making it happen so yes yeah 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 you just uh, you just can't start drawing you know even like when you're doing one of the paint by number things they, mm. they give you a plan they give you know this yeah. number is this color and so you have to think of your business plan as your means to connecting to dot the dots and mm. it sort of maps out where your energy should go the hustle that you need to be doing new or or startups they need to focus on marketing because nobody knows who you are Um, in fact they even say 60 percent of your energy and your money should go into marketing whereas Mm -hmm. once you become well and that's for nonprofits also because many things if we just create it they will come Uh, no um and i've heard that so many times but you have to uh really consider what is your brand? What is your marketing? And how are you going about getting awareness and momentum behind who you are as a as a business? Um, that's that's one of the first hustles that you need to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. And on, on the subject of, of goals and how you connect the dots there, and how, tell, tell us, share with us some goals, dreams, and aspirations for 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 your business. You know, for perhaps 
system summit. I'm sure you've got a few goals there. And the uh, Foundation. Well, the Philanthropeneur Foundation, we will exist. That that's the first goal because you know, we, you know, it became very stressful. You know, with the doors closed, our income stopped. Um, I at, at initially, you know, I think we all went into shock. Oh well, this is only two or three weeks. We'll we'll be back to normal. And so we sort of just sat back and said, let it pass. But as time went on. And you saw that, okay, the bills are still coming, but the revenue is not there. Um, you go, I, I, I went through, I, I probably, what do they call it, five stages of grief or whatever, you know, um, you get, you know, angry and then it's it, it fearful. Um, I went into uh, panic mode and it was like, I've got to do something now. And like I said, the, the building is still there. It was it was set up for a full training center, but I went out and actually bought green screens, new cameras, lights, um, because I was talking about doing webinars. Okay, provide a facility where people can come in and actually film with support of content development, new material. And so wow. we, we have all of that. Still, because we're not doing that face-to-face, -face, that hasn't picked up. And so I was like, okay, I've got to do something where it can be accomplished now. So the goal had to shift again. That's how System Summit. I knew I could put that together. I built out the website. I created all of the back-end infrastructure of it. And I know education. And so mm -hmm. I said, let me tap into my skill sets and put together System Summit. The goal, we I've already reached a couple of them because initially it was local speakers that many of my team were saying, well, I know this, you know, I was like, no, 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 we're going to go national. I, I said national, and I did. I had speakers from coast to coast on our first summit. I am now international. I want speakers from around the world. I have achieved a lot of that. They have come from Canada, uh, New Zealand, UK, Hopefully from <clears throat> Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that was me planting a seed. <laughs> but what great value will that bring to not only show that everybody is in the same situation, but the new perspectives that can come from international speakers. And so that that was a, a, a goal I had. And I can say that I'm almost, I'll say I'm 90% to that next goal. And then finally is to just make it a ongoing resource that people keep coming back to over and over again, because as I said, you need to see things three or four times. And the way we're set up, um, all of the presentations currently, you know, if they do what is called an all access pass, they have lifetime access to the presentations for that summit. Or if you're a summit club member, you have access to every summit we do. So it, it's providing access, providing education and resources. We um, the things that have evolved out of just the summit, we have a resource toolkit now, we have a show, we have a networking group called Blitzer. It's called the Breakfast Networking Blitzer, which is a new format, uh, different from Zoom. It's where you actually are speaking to people one-on-one, -on -one, one right after another. All of these have evolved out of the concept of System Summit and how we can support entrepreneurs in their journey and provide them some resources that they need um, on an ongoing basis. So um, I'm really just excited as it's, I'll say, rolling out <laughs> because I literally we've done one. But the momentum that is starting to build, like I said, I have I'm overwhelmed with the number of speakers that have applied. You know, the first time we were, please, please be a speaker. <laughs> Just, you know, just give me some time, you know. Now it's, I actually can go through and pick and choose, you know. So it's it's a great position to be in, and I'm really, really excited about it. It is, and it's a great position to be in, and it means, like you said, you can cherry pick the right people for the right theme, for the right summit, which makes that, you know, more valuable for, for the audience that are watching, of course. 
Now, if you could give us, give the audience who's watching three hot tips in, in the world of entrepreneurship, you know, you've had not, not one, but, you know, kind of few businesses over the years, you've, you've worked not in your passion, around your passion for, and, and to the point of your passion for many years. So if you could give three hot tips to people out there who, who are watching, who perhaps want to start their own business, they know what their passion is, but they don't know how to kind of transfer that into something that gets them bills paid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once you have discovered or reignited your passion, then it's looking at what skills and services or products can I monetize? You know, because that that is the ultimate goal. And and um, it's almost like doing a self-assessment of everything you've done in the past. Uh, I because I'm a senior and my skill set was very long, but sometimes you don't realize that even though I was a teacher, some of those skill sets aren't front and center. I'm great at organizing people. Uh, I guess that's because I had to organize classes for all those years. And so you have to look at some of the skill sets that can be transferred into other platforms or businesses. And many people overlook all of the experience they have. But okay, so you need to look at where's your passion? How can it be monetized? Second, it's not going to happen overnight. We mentioned that. Yeah. Be consistent. You have to be consistent. Be able to explain clearly what you're doing or what services you have. Too often, you know, okay, tell me about your business. And you get this long dissertation and they never really tell you what problem they solve. So understand what problem you solve. And that's the challenge for your target audience. And then I go back to branding. You, you have to have a strong brand with a either tagline or message that attracts people. Hmm. Even when you get down to creating presentations, what's your title and how did you write your description? Because that's your first impression if somebody even wants to attend what you're doing. So that gets back to being able to clearly identify and explain who you are as a business. Yeah. That's my <laughs> I think that I think they're great hot tips. And and how about a book recommendation? I know you're not someone who only writes books, but I'm sure reads a lot of them too. Uh gosh. <laughs> yeah, you, you want me to go into my bookshop. Okay. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Look, I think it's a timely book, you know. It's on Amazon's and, and also the System Summit Journal will be published uh, within the next week. It's a business journal where it's broken down into those five core areas that you can put notes specifically about that. Um, in terms of, oh, gosh, I have Ted Falcon sitting over here. Of course, Rich Man, Poor Man, you know, some of the classics. Um, yeah. I, I believe their knowledge is still so on point. Napoleon, you know, you know, I need to stand, you know, I have a whole library at the training center of just different books and it's depending on what you need. Um, yeah, and at what uh, time you need it, you know, where you are. Right, are you looking for personal development? Many people just need to find themselves. And so you might need a personal development book. If it's a straight business book, you know, do you need the how to? Or do you need um, the reason why? Simon Sinek, I love him. You know, what, you know what's your why? And I use that a lot. Um, what is it? Find your cheese? Or <laughs> where's your cheese? Where's my cheese? Love yeah, that. I've read that one. I've not read that one. Okay, yeah. Um, gosh, well, that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> okay, you've given some, given some great books there. Many of them I've, I've not. Uh, read myself so yeah i'll be i'll be expanding my library that's for sure now before we go um dr victoria I, i'm going to put your links in in the comments here but if people want to connect with you find out more about you and perhaps even you know put themselves forward for system summit where's the best place they can do that and find out more about you 
Absolutely. System Summit is real easy. Systemsummits.com. That's where they can find <laughs> really to contact me directly. It's vboy at drvictoriaboy.com. No dots, no dashes, just vboy at drvictoriaboy.com. Um, Flanchpreneur is hard to spell, but uh, if you go to drvictoriaboy.com, there is a link to the Flanchpreneur Foundation over there. Uh, all of those three sites give a lot of information about who I am, who the foundation is, and what System Summit is all about. Wonderful. It's been absolutely great having you on the show, Victoria. I've really enjoyed spending some time with you today. So thank you for coming on and giving me your time and energy. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a great time. Talk soon. Talk soon. And thanks for watching, guys, wherever you are, whether you're watching live now or later, wherever you are in the world, thank you for being part of the show. Take care, folks.